Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 1 through 3. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said unto Aaron, Aaron their father, This is, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And um, I, I don't know, I, I try to title messages, I try to title them just so that it gives a little bit of a handle for people or a reference point. And, and I thought about several things today, changed it multiple times, but um, I want to preach about strange fire. I'll just borrow that phrase from verse number one, strange fire. Another thought that I had this afternoon was... Um, the sacredness of service and how that we are, when we are in the presence of the Lord, what we offer Him should be offered with sacredness and not just off the cuff, just, just not this is what I will throw at you in hopes that it is sufficient. But, um, and, and that's certainly what this story talks about, the, the lack of that sacred mindset. So let's just ask the Lord to touch this word to our heart and and uh, let's embrace, if we can, the soberness of this passage. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your goodness and mercy. And I truly thank you for the privilege and the honor that I have been given to stand behind this sacred desk. And I ask you, Lord, to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost, that anointed word, God, I pray that that same anointing would be upon me. Not because I'm worthy or deserving, God, but I have been given the task this evening to teach your word. And so I ask you to anoint my lips and anoint every ear and every heart that will not just hear it with our ear, but that will receive it in our heart and our spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Um, I am certainly not here this evening to paint anybody's world gray or to be... Uh, gloomy and dreary, but there is a there is certainly a sacredness to what we're even doing here at this very moment in this service. And um, you know, I would never want to be cavalier in my approach to the Lord and anything that I give Him. But we want there to be always a sense of uh, awareness and sobriety about what we're doing because eternal things are unfolding before us. And I know at first glance this appears to just be a building that has people in it. 
but there are some eternal things that are going on, and uh, we have to be aware of that and understand that. And, and so with every song that we sing, we want that to be uh, something that is considered. We don't want to just pull something out of the hat. I remember several years ago, and I'm just using this as a reference point, I remember several years ago hearing about a, a church, doesn't matter what flavor, but a church that was their custom, that they had a hymnal, and uh, and they started on page one, and they just sang all the way through the book. And every how many pages, every how many hymns were in that book, when they reached 537, then they just went back to page one. And that's how the song selection went. And um, I'm not sure how that works out in the long run. <laughs> if you were kind of feeling real... Uh, real up and you had a down song and if you were kind of feeling a little dreary and had an up song, I'm not really sure how all of that panned out, but we want there to be some sense of sacredness about what we're doing, an approach to the, the pulpit. I want there to always be an honor in my heart to stand uh, behind this desk. And I, I realize to some degree it's my job to be here. I get that aspect of that, but I don't want to come here this evening coerced by um, blanketed by some responsibility. I want there to be a sense of sacredness and, and honor to be able to stand. I, I certainly feel that honor to be able to stand before you and uh, to preach the Word of God or teach the Word of God, expound on it, to pay, perhaps give uh, light to it and, and to some degree. I try to pray every morning specifically this, this include this into my morning prayer, I refer to David's prayer when he when David refers to the Word of God as a light and a lamp. And I always try to incorporate into my prayer that I want your Word today to be just that to me. I want it to be a light and a lamp. I may need it for something specific today. Amen. And uh, some of you can relate to this, even though we do have, believe it or not, electricity in our house and and lights that work every now and then when something falls in a crack or a crevice, we have to whip out the old handy flashlight. Amen. And uh, we're trying to find it. We have light. We have, an, a lamp, we have a lamp, so to speak, an illumination. But I need light on a specific thing. And so there may be a day, a time in my day that I certainly need the word to be a lamp to illuminate my life. But I, I may need a light. I need God. I need may need God's word to shine specifically on some area or something that I would be able to comprehend that. And so I want there to be a sacredness to uh, that approach to whatever we do. There, there are many things that we can learn from the lives of men and women throughout the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Scripture teaches us that those that have served before us in essence, have served to serve for us as an example or in sample, the Scripture says. Patterns, in other words, that we can, we can pattern our life after them. Of course, there are some of them that we should follow because they, are, they have been positive examples. And so we want to emulate the things that they have done in their life and pull perhaps that pattern into our lives. And then obviously there are also lives and stories that are recorded in the Word of God and it is there so that we can avoid that kind of behavior, so that we can learn whether it is positive examples or negative examples we learn from those around us. This evening I want to consider the lives of two brothers. 
Their names are Nadab and Abihu. And I hope that somewhere, if they are not already, before we leave this evening, these names will be imprinted in our mind. Because this story should serve to us as a guidepost of what happens when we don't take what we are doing for God seriously. I'm not trying to cultivate any fear or anything of that nature this evening. What I want us to do is leave out of this place feeling the weight and the responsibility of the service of God that's upon our lives. Because you never know, you never know what may happen or where, who we may meet or where, where, what life our paths may cross tomorrow. I certainly know this for sure, that if something were to happen that we needed to dial 911 and, and request the services of someone on the other end of that, I don't want them to drive up here with a cavalier attitude. <laughs> I, want them to, I want them to act like this is the most important phone call they've ever received in all of their career. And certainly when we get to the hospital or whatever would be deemed necessary, we want that person, even though we realize they're real people, they have light bills and phone bills and they have children that go astray and they have all kind of things that go on in their lives. But we want them to take seriously the service that they are, that they are rendering. And so here we are tonight in the house of God. And I realize that not everyone assumes some, perhaps some role of responsibility in this service, uh, such as a teacher, preacher, or singer, or musician, or uh, somewhere a service leader, praise and worship leader. But I promise you that irrespective of whether you feel like you are wearing a title this evening, we all have a role and responsibility in this house. And so I want the Lord to help us understand the seriousness of coming into the house of God. And I'm thankful to be here. I don't ever want to feel like I'm in church under duress. Amen. <laughs> I tell people a lot of times, you know, when you visit people in the hospital, sometimes they're they're real anxious about things and they don't feel well. And, and uh, you, you know, you're, you don't always get the service that you'd like to get it exactly like you'd get it. And sometimes anxieties can rise. And I always try to calm people by telling them this. There's, there's far more than two, but there's certainly two people that you don't ever want to irritate, and that's people that's handling, handling your food and your medication. You, you, you want to be kind. <laughs> you want to be kind to those two. And so I pray that we, that we understand the value of, of when we come in. I, I want my spirit to be right. I want my attitude to be right. I want everything to be right when we come into the house of the Lord. Amen. Now, this story, I think, should serve as a warning as to what happens when we don't take our responsibility serious. And so the Lord had given specific instructions, and I'm not going to belabor the issue and try to dot every I and cross every T of this story. I trust that if, it, if this Bible lesson gives birth to questions, that you'll take the, these home and study them out for yourself because I'm teaching out of the same book that you own, so it won't be a mystery. But uh, the, the Lord had given specific instructions on how to worship and how to conduct themselves in His presence. And, and so their offense was this, simply put, that instead of taking fire, taking the fire, which was put into their senses from the brazen altar, they seemed to just be content with getting their fire from anywhere. And fire in Scripture is pretty significant. 
And I'll try to cover a few of those points. They seem to be content with common fire. But when it comes to the matters of the Lord, it seems to me that they just had this careless attitude. As long as we get it lit, what difference does it make? Amen. And, and I will say this, it would be like us saying, as long as we just come here and hang out for an hour or an hour and a half, what, what difference does it make? What, what goes on? What difference does it make what we sing or how we worship or what we teach or what we do? But it is significant because this is not about just driving to an address. And this is not about just hanging out for a sufficient amount of time that we feel like we've done some service and then turn the lights out and lock the building up and, and just say, we'll see you Sunday. There's something very significant about this. When we meet, when we meet Nadab and Abihu, we first hear about them in Exodus 6. The first mention of them is in the story of Moses when he's coming before Pharaoh of Egypt to communicate God's plan or I should say perhaps God's command to let his people go. We can assume then that Nahab and, and, uh, Nadab and Abihu were very experienced. They understood the discomfort of slavery. They understood what it was like to be in the mud and to make the bricks. They understood what it was like to hear the commanding voice of Pharaoh's men. We also learn from Numbers 3 that, that Nadab, the firstborn of Bayou, was the secondborn. Aside from that, we really don't know a whole lot about them. We don't know their age differences, or we don't really know exactly how old they were in this particular passage. The Bible doesn't say too much about these young men, but what it does say proves to be very interesting. For instance, the next mention of Nadab and Abihu is found in Exodus 24. In Exodus 24 and 1, the Bible said, And he said unto Moses, speaking of the Lord, Come up unto the Lord, thou, and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. The Israelites were camped at Mount Sinai, if you know the story, and God tells Moses to come up into the mountain with him. But it's interesting to me that Nadab and Abihu were included in this list of men that were privileged to be uh, on this journey with Moses. Even though Moses was the one that went to the mountain, but he told he told Aaron and his sons, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders, you come, but you worship at afar. We find that everyone coming up to the mountain was given very specific instructions to worship the Lord from a distance except Moses. He alone was the one to draw near to the Lord. However, if you look at Exodus 24 and 9, 10, 11, this is what we see here that draws us a little bit more closely into the, into the story. Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. And they saw the Lord God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. Verse 11 says, and also they saw God. Nadab and Abihu were among the privileged few that were actually able to see this glorious manifestation of the Lord. 
Now I know Exodus 20 says that no man can see the Lord and live. And so I'm not suggesting that they saw God in all of His glory. But they did see a manifestation of God. Something that was far beyond just what, if I may, for the sake of this message tonight, say far beyond what the commoners had experienced. Here was 70 elders and and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu here, 73 men that's joining Moses in this journey. Moses goes to the mountain, and here are these men that are close in, in close enough proximity that they experience something very powerful and very moving of the Lord. A short time later, <clears throat> later, Moses records in Exodus 28 God's plan to institute his priesthood for Aaron and his sons. And when you begin to read that 28th chapter, you begin to read about uh, the priesthood and how it was implemented. So Nadab and Abihu have quite a history. These are not just common men. These are not just someone they pulled in off the street to serve for just a day or so. They witnessed the deliverance of the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt. They were there when the Red Sea parted, in other words. Amen. They, they, they saw the providence of God while they journeyed in the desert. They witnessed the tremendous power and the majesty of God on Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. They were there. The Scripture says they saw God. This powerful manifestation of the Lord. In addition to all this, this tremendous, uh, this tremendous privileged position that God had placed them in. Then we read that they were blessed beyond that to be chosen to be priests, to be servants there. Nadab and Abihu appear to have a very privileged and a very special life. However, this isn't all, this isn't all that the Bible tells us about these young men. Because in our scripture tonight, there is an unfortunate turn. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, chapter 10, verse number 1 of Leviticus, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Or in other words, he had already told them, this is, if you're going to, if you're going to offer something, this is where the fire has to come from. It has to come from a specific place. And so we can't just do whatever we want to do. And so the Bible says in verse 2, So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Another translation says that they offered unauthorized fire. The Amplified Bible simply says this, They offered strange and unholy fire before the Lord as He had commanded them not. Amen. This is one of the just one instance in the Word of God where the Bible <clears throat> says that people faced death due to their rebellion against the Lord. You know, I just think that we have to consider what we're doing when we come together. Amen. I, I realize and I, I always try to make an exception on our midweek service because I realize that many of you have come through absolutely no telling what. As a matter of fact, you don't have any idea what I've been through today. Amen. I'm not seeking sympathy. I'm just telling you that we're all in this together. You know, we, we didn't just, none of us pop out of some bubble just a few moments ago and arrive here at church. But we walk through some real muddy patches called life. And so we come into this place and it is real easy. It is real easy to just kind of sit back and say, you know what? I just really need somebody to encourage me tonight. 
And so singers, I really hope you get it on key. And musicians, I really hope you got something to lift me up. And, and you know, depending on, uh, depending on your particular flavor, you know, I hope it's fast. I hope it's slow. I hope it's this. I hope it's that. But, you know, uh, we can have that attitude. Boy, I sure hope the preacher isn't boring tonight as though that's ever happened. I'm just being hypothetical. We have this attitude that here we are. Somebody lift me up. Somebody encourage me. Somebody tell me I'm going to be all right. Somebody pat me on the head. And and I sure hope I leave here feeling better and not realize that there is a sacredness to our service. And we're not here to be served. Because this is not the entertainment. And this is not the audience. Hear me. Amen. This is the entertainment, if I may use that boldly. Amen. And heaven is our audience. Hallelujah. We didn't come here for somebody to lift us up above the shadow, so to speak, but we come in. We come in with praise and thanksgiving and we stepped over all kind of junk and we just waded through all kind of nonsense and said I'm here I finally made it into the house of the Lord and I want to make sure that I do everything in my power to worship and magnify and praise the Lord amen and really in all honesty in all honesty it doesn't matter who sings it doesn't matter who plays it doesn't matter if it's fast or slow it doesn't matter if it's contemporary or traditional It doesn't matter if it's a praise song or a hymn. It doesn't matter if it's bluegrass, southern gospel, contemporary. It doesn't matter if it's going to be someone that's been preaching for 30 years. It's preaching or somebody that's only preached three times. I'm in the house of the Lord. And I've come to offer something to Him. And just anything will not do. Just anything will not do. This is the house of God. And I must be very, very careful that I don't offer strange fire. Because the spirit of rebellion will never get us far in the kingdom. And these two young men thought, well, what difference does it make? And heaven opened and fire came down and consumed them. It's not the only incident where physical death and immediate death was the end result of the spirit of rebellion. There's also Korah and Dathan and Abiram who in the wilderness rose up against Moses and the authority of Moses and Aaron. And they, they, we think you're taking too much upon yourself. And, and their rebellion caused the earth to open up. It's in your Bible. It's a very sobering passage of Scripture. And, 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 and the most perplexing thing about this entire story, and I know I almost say this every time I make reference to this story, is you would think that if earth opened up and swallowed up a group of people that were running off at the trap, that there would have been unprecedented silence in the camp. But when the earth closed back up, ever how this played out, Others rose up and complained against Moses. Well, look what you've done. And the earth opened up one more time. Now, I do think there was a dismissal after this second closure. I do think there was a little silence in the camp. Children cried out and parents were saying, we just need to go home. We just need to go home. Amen. So, Lord, help us in the New Testament, of course, Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Holy Spirit and faced 
in an instant sudden death. And so it's a serious matter to tamper with holy things of God is my point. When God reveals orders of something to be done a certain way, that's, that's exactly how that has to be handled. And so in this passage of Scripture, we find one of the most tragic scenes of all the Bible. Here we have two brothers, two young men who have experienced God in, in such... And, and I want to just say in such a privileged way. And I really believe that's what it was. When you think about where they were and, and the things they got to see and the things that they had to, ex, they, they were able to experience. And they were truly blessed to see the majesty of God and the glory of God in a way that others had never experienced. But somewhere in all that, that gave birth to this, this spirit that it's just alright. It's just another day. It's kind of like us or you, ever how you choose to pronounce that with the ark of God, that it just became another piece of furniture in the house. But it's not just another piece of furniture. It is the ark of God and no man can touch it and live. And, and so we've got to remember that no matter how common, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how many times we've gone through a similar setting as this, that this is the first time. You may have, you may have absolutely been in a thousand, thousands of services again and again and again. But let me tell you, this is the first July evening of 2013. This day, this is the first time that we have ever been in this house on this night. And so I come in tonight with holy hands lifted, without wrath and doubting. I want to come in, Lord. I want to make sure that my praise is not tainted with rebellion and with some bad spirit and attitude. And, and if I can't speak to someone on the other side of the church, then how am I going to speak to you, God? If I can't get along with those that are here, how am I going to come in here and pretend that all is well? As I have often said, you can praise God with sin in your life, but you can't worship God with sin in your life. Amen. Worship is about relationship. Not just the moving of our lips and the clapping of our hands and the praise with the tambourine and the and the organ and the drums and, and things of that nature. It's and the cymbals. It's not. We can do that. We can do that with our with our hands and our mind. But you see, worship is relationship. Amen. And so, if there's a brokenness in relationship, <laughs> then we got to fix that. Or it's not going to be right. We have to fix that. And so it's a serious matter to tamper with these things. And so we see these privileged men. And we learn about their reckless and careless attitude toward the spiritual things that provoke death at the hand of God. They made a terrible mistake of thinking that if they wanted to offer fire of their own making, that it would be all right. And God would do nothing about it. Fire throughout the Bible is associated with many things. Fire in some passages of Scripture is associated with divine presence of God. One of the probably leading stories in our mind when we think about fire in the beginning of the Bible, we think about Moses and his encounter with God at the burning bush. Fire that denoted a divine presence. Moses, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. It was only holy because the presence of God was there. Outside of that, it was just dirt. Outside of that, it was just another day in the life of Moses. Amen. The Israelites were, were led through the, through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night. 
That fire was the divine presence of God that was leading them and guiding them. God revealed himself to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai with a display of fire. When Elijah prayed in Kings 18, when, when Elijah prayed and asked for the God of gods, if you're Jehovah God, let him answer by fire. And fire came down and consumed the sacrifice and every drop of water in that, in that, around that altar. When Solomon's temple was dedicated in Second Chronicles 7 and 1, there was fire that fell out of heaven. Watch this scripture as we read along. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Now when Solomon had made an end of the praying, of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. When the disciples were meeting, if we go to a New Testament example, when the disciples were meeting for prayer and waiting or tarrying, as the scripture says, as Jesus commanded them, when he departed, the Holy Spirit came down and appeared to common man as fire. And suddenly, Acts two and two, and suddenly there was a there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat down upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Fire is also associated with divine wrath. According to Genesis 19, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah by fire. And not one fossil has ever been found. Because God said, it's enough. According to 2 Peter 3 and 12. The Bible says that the fire will dissolve the world and the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. Scripture says, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be dissolved and the elements shall meet with fervent heat. Some of the events that are yet to occur that are described in the book of Revelation will also involve fire. And in this particular story, back to our text here tonight, we notice what happened to Nadab and Abihu. The Bible says, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. But strange fire is really nothing new. I think there is a definite contrast here between the strange fire that Nadab and Abihu brought in the presence of the Lord and the consuming fire that executed God's judgment on these brothers. I don't think it was one and the same. The strange fire is something that isn't new. There are all types of strange things in the church today. Strange doctrines, strange practices, and strange thinking. Just as early as two nights ago, I was watching some clip on YouTube, and for the life of me, it's not even relevant how I heard this name, and I just Googled that, and I, and I saw someone supposedly ministering and I just thought that, that was the most bizarre, the absolute, absolutely the most bizarre thing I have ever beheld with my eyes under the pretense of church. It was almost fearful. And then, Brother Rayleigh, as the cameras panned back, the Colosseum was filled to capacity. 
And I thought, what in the world are people thinking? I felt a holy reverence of God to sweep over my heart. And I thought, oh God, if this is the only thing that some can associate the anointing to be, what a strange misrepresentation of the holy things of God. Amen. Amen. God help us. So many strange things. The fire that... Now, you know, just to mention one that comes to mind. I don't know how many years ago this has been, but I remember many years ago in Central Florida, that is as specific as I'd like to be about that. But in Central Florida, there was a rather large church, several thousand people that had a revival, and it was a laughing revival. Some of you may have heard something about this. The church, the church had for many years an FM radio station that was a very strong signal that covered much of the state of Florida, at least central Florida. And I can remember tuning into that. They had a live broadcast of their service. And I can remember tuning into that, and it would be two hours or more of just laughing. And people drove from all over the country. I thought, how sad. I've watched people laugh in the spirit. I've seen people get a laughing spirit on them. I'm not denouncing that strange fire strange fire strange fire amen I can tell you'd like for me to move on there are a lot of doctrines and thinking and practices in the church world today that that God would never put his divine approval upon at the heart of Nadab and Abihu's mistake was this strange fire they brought before the Lord The fire was merely the product of wrong actions that Nadab and Abihu demonstrated in coming before the presence of the Lord. As our musicians come, we have to ask ourselves, what are the lessons that we can take from the lives of Nadab and Abihu? What can we extract from their lives and this story, this unfortunate story? What can we take away from this? And apply this to our lives and make sure that we don't find ourselves traveling down a familiar path, that same path. I believe one of those things is the fact that the holiness of God and the holy attributes of God are not to be taken lightly. The question that probably has perplexed many of us as we've read this story and and other stories. I mentioned a moment ago about Yuzah touching the, the ark and then he just, God kills him there. And have you ever just wondered in your mind, and it, it's okay, we're going to just be honest here for just a few moments, but have you ever wondered in your mind, well, that's kind of a radical, don't you think? They would just die? You're so quiet, you're leading me to believe that I'm the only one that's ever thought that, but I, I feel like I know better. Seems a little radical, a little little harsh. Nadab and Abihu offers fire. Boom, they're gone. Ananias and Sapphira are are dishonest and in a moment. They're they're hauled out in front of the whole congregation. Wow. Surely there would have been a less deadly approach. The only answer that I have ever been able to reconcile is that the nature of, of behavior like this, we have to remember We have to go back to what I said a few moments ago, that to whom much is given, much 
is required. Nadab and Abihu weren't just Bob and Tom. They had been ushered into the presence of the Lord. They had been given some privileged positions. They had been exposed to something that was undeniable in their mind. I mean, to some, they had to take the they had to take the word of Moses that you know this is what happened. This is what took place. But Nadab and Abihu were with the seventy elders and their father, and they were close enough to understand something is happening in that mountain. We also remember that they were not oblivious to the majesty of God. Therefore, they should not have been oblivious to to the judgment of God. They knew all of this, and just once, just once they forgot. I know I've referred to this many times through the years. I think it's worth repeating tonight, and I can honestly say it's something that I think about very, very often. I called Brother Danny this afternoon because I just... Wanted to make sure I was telling the story right. Sometimes you get to telling things through the years and and you think you're right, but you may not be. Brother Danny Newbern spent his entire career with a power company, and I've often heard him talk about the safety meetings that they had every morning. They were the morning meetings were short meetings, as he referred to today. They had longer meetings once a month, but every day, every day. Wouldn't you think that after a while that the men that had been doing this work day in and day out, week in and week out, as weeks turned to months and months turned to years and years to decades, wouldn't you think that there's no sense in talking to these guys about this? I mean, they've, they've heard this. Wouldn't you think that? But the men on the other side of that desk understood something so very vital that today is life and death. We want to all come home at the end of the day to our families. So we want to talk about how serious this is one more time. I am confident there may have been men sitting in that room that kind of nodded off. I'm sure there were men that in their minds said, I've heard this a hundred times. But somebody thought enough about this to say, we need to talk about this one more time before we leave. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses in Leviticus 10 and 3. Then Moses said unto Aaron, rather, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. God said, this will be done my way. This will be done my way. Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. Our God is holy. And this cannot be forgotten. He is a God that is worthy. Let's stand together. He's holy and just and righteous. And no matter, no matter what we think about it, No matter what we think about it, holy will not mix with unholy. It just won't happen. The Bible says that sweet water and bitter water can't come out of the same well. It just can't happen. And so we must never forget that attendance without worship is strange fire. We didn't just come here to show up. We came to worship and magnify the Lord. Service without spirit 
is strange fire. Testimony without personal experience, strange fire. Teaching without study, strange fire. Prayer without practice, strange fire. And that list could go on and on and on and on. I want to be very honest with you. Since several months ago when we took a couple of Wednesday nights and shared with you a drama presentation of the life of John the Baptist, St. John in exile. There were certain portions of that story or the journey of the disciples that were just so underlined in my mind. And from that time until now, every time I read these particular passages of Scripture, I see them more vividly as this man was able to express that and bring it to life, in my mind at least. And I think about Simon Peter at the time of the crucifixion, the judgment, how that the Scripture says he went out and was warming his hands around fire. And around that fire, someone says, aren't you one of... No, 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 you have me mistaken. Someone else says, I, I really believe that that you are one. And so Simon Peter does something so foolish and he just tries to curse and blend in with those. And it was at that moment that the Scripture talks about the rooster that crowed. And in a moment of time, in just milliseconds, Simon Peter heard the voice of God that said, you will deny me. You will deny me. You will deny me. And so I say, Simon, you were warming your hands around the wrong fire. And when you warm your hands around the wrong fire, you're setting yourself up for failure. And so I said to myself today, Lord, help me to make sure that the fire I'm around is not strange fire. I want it to be right. I want it to be right. Amen. Why don't we just make an altar where you stand? If you need something from the Lord tonight, I'm going to tell you that He is more than accessible. More than accessible. Amen. God can touch you today. God can touch you. If you would like to come down and pray, certainly that is in order. But I pray that the Spirit of God will help us to feel after Him. Let the authority and the anointing of Your Spirit, God, let it sober me. Let it touch my heart and my mind. Strengthen me today, God. Let the power and the passion of your spirit, God, let there be something in my heart that is always and forever settled. I want to be very serious. I want to be very serious. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hello and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.